Periodically, I do talks to photography groups, and every time I do, I end with something I call my inspirations. Those people that I have followed for years on social media that inspire me each and every day with amazing photography. Today's guest is one of those people. We're going to visit the rodeo with Alan Hess on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to another episode of Behind the Shot, the podcast where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots, from conception to completion and all the stories and problems that happen in between. I'm your host, Steve Brazel. This is on the This Week in Photo Network. And just a quick reminder for you, if you are subscribing to this podcast in your favorite podcast listener app, whatever it is, Feel free to read and buy uh, iTunes, drop us a review, good, bad, doesn't matter. But if you do have comments, you can also always reach out to me. It's Raz2, R-A-Z-Z-2 on Twitter is probably the easiest way to reach me. So today's guest is somebody I've wanted to have on for a while because uh, to say that this guy is an inspiration to me is a huge <laughs> understatement. Periodically, I go out and I do, you know, PowerPoint presentations for a couple hours to photography groups. And I also have a short, brief video course on TWIP School. And the last thing I always talk about is inspiration. Those artists who I follow on social media and followed before I knew them or before I was a photographer, that give me inspiration each and every day. And one of the major ones that I always mention is this guy, Alan Hess. Alan, thanks for joining me, man. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um... So you are a guy... That before I knew you, and we've shot a couple of things together, yeah. but before I knew you, um, seriously, I followed you on social media all over the place because what you do and the variety of things that you shoot, and in particular, your concert photography for my taste, although we're not talking concert photography today, is literally unmatched by many, many people. Um, when you talk to people about what you do, how do you describe what you shoot? Because you shoot everything. I, I do now. Um, I started out really just thinking uh, that I would be a concert photographer. I loved music. I loved uh, going to shows. Um, I followed a little band called The Grateful Dead way back when in the 80s and early 90s. And um, I thought that it would be fun to take my camera into shows and shoot concerts. And that was kind of where I started. It's kind of what I did. And I thought I would just be known as a concert photographer. Two things happened. One, I found out that making a living as a concert photographer is a lot harder than it seemed um, yeah. on the internet. So that was the that was the it's first a myth. Part. I'm just telling you, making it, money it, as a concert photographer right. is a complete myth. It's unicorn. It's uh, well, there's there's a very few guys out there who are actually doing it, but you know that's a different story. And the second part was that um, when I started transitioning into the job that I have now uh, as the house photographer for a venue, it turned out that they um, didn't really care that I wanted to be a concert photographer. They wanted me to cover everything that happened there. Um, so I learned that um, even though the concert photography is what I really wanted to do, uh, I now needed to learn how to shoot sports. I needed to learn how to shoot um, dance. I needed to learn how to shoot uh, stand-up comedy. I needed to learn how to shoot all these various things. And I'd done a little bit of over the time, but I'll tell you some of the, the weirdest moments when you're standing there and I'm, I'm sitting on a sideline at a Lakers preseason game realizing I've never shot a professional basketball game in my life. I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to be doing. And I went right back to my concert saying, all right, it's freezing action. Um, 
in low light. And I, so, so everything kind of comes back to my concert photography start. And um, honestly, it's still where I have the most fun. It's also still where I have the most, uh, uh, it feeds my soul more than it feeds my wallet. See, and that, that's how I feel about it as well. But you mentioned an interesting thing that when you're shooting the Lakers, it's a, you know, you went back to that part of your head uh, that is just the, you know, mindlessness. You don't have to think about it. You can just do it without thinking of concert photography because concert photography really is low light action photography. That's what it is. Now, it's in a way, it's low light action portraiture, too. But um, you have shot. You mentioned the Lakers. You shoot hockey. You shoot dance, you shoot comedians, you've shot, you know, Billy Idol, Cher, Willie Nelson, The Who. That Twice. one just, I'm, <laughs> you know what yeah. they said to me, The Who? The answer I got back was your radio. Why do you need to shoot pictures? Um, you've shot Robin Williams, the, the, the great late Robin Williams. Uh, and you are anybody who is a Photoshop uh, user TV or Photoshop world or anything like that. Yeah fan or Kelby one fan uh you're a Kelby one instructor you're part of the photoshop dream team um the concert photography pre-con workshop at photoshop world every year that was you yeah we did that we did that 10 times uh since 2009 um so we we might have we might have put that one to rest at this point um we didn't do it this year but uh we did we yeah Scott DeUse and I from Nikon we did that sucker 10 10 10 times running and it was uh it was amazing to do and, a live and considered shoot. by many in the industry, in that industry, that niche mm. you know, market, to be the de facto standard for concert photography instruction. Um, there was nothing one other else thing, like it. And by the way, I should mention you're San Diego based. Yes. Um, but one other thing I should mention is actually two other things. You mentioned that you're the house shooter for a venue that's Valley View Casino Center yes. uh, in San Diego. Um, and being a house photographer, something very, very coveted and rare that very few photographers get. So that that's an awesome land. But then also you're an author. You have authored how many books now? Um, I just finished my 15th book uh, with Rocky Nook. It'll be out in July. It's a second book on night and low light photography. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, um, I've, I've written about two books a year for the last seven, eight years. Um, I also did a series of eBooks in the middle just because why not? Um, so yeah, uh, that again, that was one of those things I never really expected to do. Um, it was kind of a shock. Uh, going back to my college days, I was actually, I got a degree in computer science and English. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do and I had a hard time with uh, math. So I kept switching between the computer science department and the English department. At the end of the day, I ended up with degrees in both. So I, I thought I'd never use them both. And it turns out that I'm actually using them both uh, since photography these days is basically a little computer right. attached to a lens. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I look over this way. I've got a bookshelf here with, with my books on it. Uh, well, and you're like me. You've got all your passes hanging behind you too. Yeah, well, uh, I got... <laughs> it's a collection. You know, you just... I don't know what to do with them sometimes, but I'm not going to throw them away. Your books, you've got books on everything, including pet photography. You're... you're, yep. you're uh, dog portraiture is freaking amazing. People, seriously, you need to look up Alan Hess. And at the end of the show, I'll give you all the the social media links so that you can find him, his website and everything. But also don't forget to go to thisweekinphoto.com, find the post associated with this episode, and all the links will be there as well for you. So let's get into your shot a little bit. We mentioned right. you shoot everything. 
This was not one I was thinking when I started looking through your portfolio, right? Because in my head, I wanted you for a concert shot. And I saw this particular shot and it was it was eye opening that you captured this shot at this moment. So explain this to everyone. So a couple of years ago, um, we had uh, in 2003 years ago now in 2014, we had the uh, PBR, the Professional Bull Rider. tour circuit come through San Diego and they actually did bull riding at the Valley View Casino Center. So I was actually kind of excited. I'd never shot bull riding before. I've seen pictures. It's cowboys and bulls and things flying through the air. And um, I was given a lot of access uh, to shoot it from around uh, anywhere I wanted in in the arena. Um, I got to go up on the shoot where the bulls come out of. I got to do a little bit of the backstage stuff. They were really, 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 really nice. And I was I went in uh, very naively thinking this was going to be easy to deal with. Turned out it was a lot harder than it uh, actually looked like. Um, They don't stay on the bulls very long. It's supposed to be eight seconds. I don't think uh, three people in the entire day lasted eight seconds. So shooting time. So so this guy that's on the bull in front of me. Yeah. He may have been on there for what? Three Three, seconds, three seconds, maybe four. Um, and and you was, had to get him coming out of the shoot within three to four seconds. Yeah. And that was, that was the thing that I, I realized I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a large area where they get to, to buck around and, and ride. The problem is they don't stay on the bull very long. So um, the first part of the day or the first part of the evening, I started uh, too far away and I was aimed at the, the grate and I was um, not getting much. So I started moving uh, further towards the um, where they were coming out so I could try to get a better angle on it. Uh, once <laughs> once I started getting, like figuring out that I could get a, a better angle as they came right out the chute, then it became a matter of uh, timing. Now, um, I mentioned this to you right before we started and I'm going to go in right here. This was taken with a, with a Nikon D750 DSLR. Not, not a um, surprise there. I mean, it's a, it's a, one of their cameras, but this was actually the very first time I'd ever used the camera. Uh, it had arrived a couple of days before I'd run it through some tests. Um, I really, uh, thought it was doing a, an amazing job, um, capturing stuff. And I just kept pushing it further and further and further. Uh, Didn't see what you it go do. into this though, th- w- with a camera you've never used thinking this is a paid job. What if this doesn't work? Well, I had my other, I had my D4 with me. Um, okay. All so right. I was, I was shooting, you know, switching between the two. Uh, the thing that I found fascinating was that um, I needed to really go a little higher on the ISO and shutter speeds than I would shoot a concert at. So, so what go, was this at? Do you know? Yeah. Well, this is ISO uh, 6,400. Um, wow. Aperture is 2.8. And then it was a one one thousandth of a second. Um, exposure to get everything frozen in place. I started Hold on out a second at, here. Hold on. I got to interrupt you. Yeah. And, and by the way, what lens is this? Uh, I'm going to guess it was a 70 to 200, probably somewhere in the 180, 160 millimeter range. Okay. So um, here's what shocks me about this. You, you, you said 6,400 ISO yeah. one 1,000th of a second. Yeah. Which makes sense to freeze this, that you would need that. And so obviously you did 6,400 just because you needed the 1,000th. Right. That but was you the, shot this at 2.8 with a moving bull? Yeah. That part wasn't the hard part. The hard part was trusting the camera to not have, um, you know, horrible artifacts at 6,400 ISO. 
Uh, and that's where that D750 really impressed me. So I had done a couple of shots earlier on and I kept having to increase the shutter speed and increase the ISO. And I kept looking on the back of the camera and I'm like, I'm not seeing any noise. So I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep going. And, um, that was kind of a liberating moment where you're like, Oh, I can just, you know, I can get the exposure at a 6400 ISO and not have to not have to be concerned, you know, that there's well, that fear. When I shoot concerts, I like to shoot, you know, 1600 ISO and 250th of a second at 2.8. So this was a big departure from um, my usual settings. And, well, uh, but at 6400 ISO, because I've looked at this image zoomed yeah. in, um, there's no noise. And, and I'm confused because I don't know if you can tell from the video, you know, for the viewers, but this thing's tack freaking sharp. Yeah. And I mean, tack sharp and the depth of field doesn't appear as shallow as I would imagine at a hundred and something millimeters with at 2.8. Right. But I'm shooting at the, I'm shooting further away than you would if you were, you know, doing a guitar player on the stage in front of you. I'm, I'm a safe distance away from this rampaging beast. I'm also behind a protective um railing you can, if you can see the people behind um so there's a, a guy wearing a, a yellow and black uh dicky shirt in the background mm -hmm. behind yeah. the bull and you can see the people sitting behind him in the stands i was across from them on the other side of the venue um where they behind were, that and, same type of barricade yeah and because because 2.8 because the distance was so much further away from everything they're still in focus right if i was shooting closer up they they would have started to drop out but they didn't hurt the picture. Um, I'll, I'll be flat out honest. I didn't even notice them when I was taking the picture. My entire focus was on uh, the cowboy, um, the bull rider, and um, I was probably putting the focus point right about the hand that was uh, holding on to the bull. I figure that was a good spot. There's enough, one, uh, one spot that won't move. Yeah. yeah. You know, compositionally, I, I don't know how you did it. His head is in a clean spot. Yep. Oh. His shoulders are above the line. <laughs> I mean, there, there is one little trick I did do on this thing, which took me back to my old uh, um, darkroom days, is that when I was editing this image, behind him, there was a, um, there was a little light. So I went in with the uh, dodge and burn tools in Photoshop, and I just burned in the area behind him a little bit. There was, uh, you could see a, um, a caution tape where the seats were blocked off, and it was a little distracting. Um, so instead of editing it out, I just uh, I went back to the days of uh, dark. Well, and that and brings just, up an interesting question out. that I, I see debated in a lot of areas, and that is you're a, you're a house venue shooter, right? Right. So when you're shooting for a house venue, um, it no longer technically is photojournalism, right? No, not at it's all. It's marketing material. So yeah. do they allow you to to edit these pictures? Absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a very different thing for when I'm shooting for the AP or I'm shooting for a wire service, um, than when I'm shooting for the house. If I'm shooting for the AP or a wire service, I have a very strict guidelines and probably never goes into Photoshop ever. Um, I'll just use Lightroom or, you know, to crop something. That's about it. Uh, when I'm shooting for the house, my goal is to make it look good in the venue. Now I'm not going to. I'm not going to cut and paste, you know, a crowd from one side of the room and double them and put them in another side of the room or something, you know, where it's completely wasn't real. But I have no problem uh, darkening out certain areas of the venue that were just a little overexposed when I shot them. Um, 
nothing you, you wouldn't you do. could push a pixel if you if, if you wanted to clone oh, something if, yeah if i wanted to clone them, something they, out, they, they don't they, mind you can't because no. it's marketing at that right. point yeah it's and, and if, if it's going out somewhere else it's going to get cropped differently it can will overlay text i mean all all different things happen to an image when it's you know done for the house um uh i try not to i don't shoot with that in mind i don't think oh i'm going to get rid of this or i'm going to get rid of that but uh, honestly there are certain times um where i've taken a photograph and in the back of my head i've been like that background has got to be changed or it's got to be um usually just means uh burning it in um and for well and for, even photojournalism like when you're when you're shooting for ap right um what are you allowed to do crop color correct dodge and burn yeah i don't even do dodge and burning for ap um if i'm doing anything for ap it's it's cropping color correcting and maybe some contrast adjustment you know it's the the, the stuff you do in a dark room even before you get to the uh enlargement <laughs> it's kind of like allow a, you to dodge and burn i don't even i don't know um it's never been the stuff that I shot for AP, the, the reality is that it would take too long for me to sit there and edit each individual image under the under the timeline. I've right, had right. When I shoot for them, um, and a lot of times when I'm when I shoot for a wire service or AP, it's it's events like Comic Con and stuff like that in San Diego, and I shoot JPEG in the camera and I hand the cards off and I never see them again. I, I need to I, shoot Comic Con once. I really do. <laughs> we'll talk. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. T- I hear. It's amazing. So on this shot, we, we already mentioned that it's Valley View Casino mm. Center in San Diego. Um, but I'm curious on this shot, what you used, you know, AF wise, was it a single point? Was it a zone? Yeah, nope. You know, what tracking system did you have? And more importantly, what kind of burst did you fire? Uh, I shoot continuous, high speed continuous on all my, my, uh, my photos just about all the time. I'm, you know, for the live stuff. And I'll usually shoot in bursts when I'm doing concert stuff. I'll usually shoot in bursts of three to five, especially under the new um, LED lighting. It just, the lighting changes so rapidly that I find a, a little three shot burst really does well. For this, um, I was using the new uh, 750, as I said. It has a, uh, it didn't have as big a buffer and I, my memory cards were kind of slow. Um, so I was using, probably shooting in bursts of uh, five to seven shots. And um, I had learned that if I waited, I know it's going to sound like a small, small amount of time, but I waited about half a second after the bull started coming out, I could hold the button down and get a nice seven, eight um, sequence. Uh, and that was about all. Then the, then the cowboy was flying and the, and the bull was usually standing on top of him. Uh, and I have some of those shots too, but we decided not to uh, show too many of those publicly. A little disturbing. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I use what, single, what kind of tracking did you use? Well, I use single point autofocus, um, and I usually um, had the point. I would start with a point uh, like one third into the frame, and then I would just move the camera. So I'm basically keeping that single point um, right on the cowboy. And um, do you switch that single point, or you leave it dead I, center? Or? I I don't leave it dead center. I usually leave it uh, off to one third of, of the frame, either you know left right. Um, up or down somewhere where it's not dead center. I don't right. like, you know, I'm trying to, uh, but with this, um, it's half, half practice shooting and half pure luck and, you know, a little bit touch of, of, you know, thank God for cowboys who can get their hands in the air at the same time that the bull is completely off the ground. Um, yeah, it's amazing, so, isn't it? I mean, these yeah. guys, these guys are way more man than I am. 
So I don't, I don't let the camera track stuff. Um, I was using uh, I was using either a single point. Uh, now the Nikon D750 has a little thing called a group uh, autofocus where it uses five points, but they all have the same um, priority as a single point. So it's just like having one bigger point moving around. And I used that for a lot of the uh, the stuff that I was shooting that night because A, it was new and B, I wanted to try it. Uh, for this one, I was still on single point um, because it, it was towards the end of the day and I still hadn't gotten this, like I hadn't gotten the, the money shot yet. I hadn't gotten a great, um, you know, uh, rodeo shot. Uh, you did with this one. Look at the right. dust so, under this guy. Oh, dude, that, that was the thing that was, that was, that was killing me on, on a lot of the other shots was that I would, my focus was off by just a little bit or the, um, you know, for people who are watching this, I'm mean, assuming you're photographers, but if you're not, uh, the depth of field is shallow, but if you have something that's on the same plane, so if I'm, I'll hold my hand up and, um, if your focus is on, you know, this part of the image and it's, and it's flat then this is in focus too. And that's, that was the really lucky part about the shot was that not only was the angle of the bull coming out of the chute perfect, the hand was up was perfect, the whole animal and the cowboy was all in the same plane of focus. So once the focus was locked onto the cowboy, everything was sharp, including the dust on the ground right below the, the hooves. So it was, a, it was a really great combination. And part of that was that I kept moving around till I figured out the angles of the bulls coming out. You won't see any of the photos from the first 15 or 20 minutes I shot that day because I thought I was going to be really cool and I'd shoot everything coming straight at me. Turned out that a lot of that was out of focus. Right. The cowboy was in focus, but the front of the bull or the back of the bull was out of focus and it didn't look right. Um, it didn't look real. It but see, that's why, that's why you are who you are is because you have the wherewithal on a paid gig where people are under stress where you've got people on for three to four seconds to think, I need to figure out a way to get everything in this bull and this this yeah. rider on the same plane to maximize my depth of field, um, which is where a lot of people, I think, fall apart on live events. They shoot what they see in their head as a picture, but their angle is wrong, their timing is wrong, yeah. whatever. And the fact that the dust and everything is in focus is amazing. So I, I have a question for you. And this relates to kind of everything that you shoot, but I'm going to put the picture back up for it as well okay. because it fits this one. And this picture, when I first saw this on your website, I kid you not, it brought me back to one of your Roger Waters pictures. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You mentioned you dodged and burned a little bit at the top. What else did you do to this image in post? And I ask it for this reason. You get a 3D effect in your color images like nobody I've ever seen. The Roger Waters one, if you're watching this, you got to go find it. It's Roger Waters on a stage with his arms out. The leather jacket looks three-dimensional and real leather. It's amazing. And in this one... I literally feel like I'm standing in the middle of this arena and that bull could hit me. What are you doing? Well, God, I wish I could take all the credit for that. I really, really do. Most of the time, um, it's realizing where the light is coming from and then using that to uh, create um, depth in the image. Uh, Roger Waters is a, is a pretty good example. Um, he had this really shiny black leather jacket and... Uh, I realized that when he was turning, the jacket was being highlighted on the side. So 
yeah, it, it makes it kind of pop out and gives it a little bit of side lighting without it being really obvious. On this, um, the dodging and burning helped in the background to, you know, remove it from the background. But um, the reality is the light was coming from above. So my goal was to just make sure that the angle that I was coming in, um, he was brighter than the surrounding areas. The focus, the focus helped. Um, it's, it's practice. It's, it's a lot of times when you start out, you try, you, all you see is the subject. You don't look at the background. You don't look at where the light's coming from. All you see is the guy on the bull or the, you know, the person with a guitar. After a while, um, the subject's important, but your brain can start kind of looking at all the surrounding areas and looking at the stuff that actually makes the whole image work. And um, on the downside of that is it's become really frustrating now when I'm editing something and it's not perfect. I have a very hard time um, with images that aren't, oh man, that was so close, but it's, I don't like the light on something, or I can see too much of the background, or, you know, the shadow is in the wrong spot. And I try to do that while I'm shooting. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's more difficult. Um, and with all of this stuff, there's this little piece that's just called good luck. There's just a little piece of like, wow, I, I just, I got lucky. Um, and you get and, lucky a lot, my friend. Well, I get lucky a lot, um, partly because I'm, I'm looking for it. Uh, so I've, I, it's, you have to be able to recognize when something's going right or when you're getting close to, to a shot that you really, you know, that you really want to take. Um, I shot the flaming lips the other night for the first time. Uh, they were on, on you know, I, I don't really have a bucket list as such, but they were one of those bands where I've seen a lot of really cool pictures of them. And I'm like, Ooh, I'd like to take a really cool picture of that band. And there was a lot of confetti and a lot of lighting right up front. And I had in my head, I could see the, I could like see the picture before it ever happened that I wanted a shot of, of Wayne, the lead singer small. And I wanted all this confetti and, you know, in the picture to be more just him. And I came pretty close. I wasn't, hundred percent thrilled with, with but for what it is it was it came pretty close but to do that i needed to make sure that i was off to the side i needed to make sure that i had a wider angle lens on i needed to make sure that i was watching where the other photographers and security were i needed to make sure i was watching all this other stuff because in my head i was like i can't get that shot from up from in front of him i have to be over here i can't get that shot with a zoom lens or a 70 to 200 millimeter i need something wider i need my 24 or even a fisheye or something to get that that view. So in my head, I'm pre-planning and giving myself a better chance of getting lucky, I should say. I, I, so I've cut down the odds of it being pure luck to being planned for it and getting, you know, and getting lucky. Well, um, you, you, you take pre-visualization pre to the next right. level, really, because it's one thing and a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, suggest that you pre-visualize a shot, that you see it in your head ahead of time. And that's all fine and dandy if you also do what you're doing, which is pre-visualize what's needed to get it. Um, if you were if you were to give one tip, because this is kind of your area, this low light action photography. If you were to give one tip to people that are having trouble in the low light action photography arena, right? Uh, what What would it be? Uh, um, probably the, 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 I'm going to 
I can't follow the rules that well, so I'm going to give two. Because the first one is just calm down. Everyone gets a little bit tense and excited. And, and tense and exciting is great. I get very excited when I'm about to shoot a show. But um, you need to just relax and calm down. It's not, it's, it's just photography. It's not brain surgery or, you know, changing the world. But uh, I've seen people, um, they get worked up, they get very excited, they get very tense, and then everything falls apart. And you can never recover and because you only have a few minutes to shoot um, a show or to get the shot uh, the more tense and excited you are the harder it is to to get back in the groove and to get comfortable doing it so um the first thing is just remember it's only photography it's not it's not that important it's, right you know it's, it's not rocket surgery it's not yeah you know, you know you're not you're not you're not rooting around in someone's head you know trying to fix their brain or something it's just um making pictures uh, and the second thing is i I, uh, and this one's a really practical one, um, if you're shooting a concert, uh, start at ISO 1600, 250 to the second at f2.8, and when it starts going on, I mean, I, those are just my starting settings because it turns out I've taken a lot of pictures, I've looked at the EXIF data for them, uh, that's a big spike right at those settings. So if you start there every time and then it's too dark, you can adjust, it's too light, you can adjust, it it's a really good place to start. So I always like to give per people like a starting spot. Here you go. You don't have to start at zero. You can start, you know, a hundred feet down the track and then you can adjust when the lights, when the lights change. Um, and, and those are my settings. Whenever I walk into a venue I've never been into before and I don't right. know what the, the tour is like or the rodeo is like, and I, I don't know what the lighting is going to be like, that's my starting point. And for me, I always shoot wide open. So I'm at 2.8 no matter what. It makes Same my way. exposure triangle so easy. Is it, All I have to do is look at the subject and go, it's a freaking bull. I need a thousandth of a second. Yeah. I'm not going to change my aperture. That only leaves one variable left, and it's the ISO. And what I tell everybody nowadays, my, my biggest low light tip is just always just crank the ISO. Your camera nowadays, this is 6,400 oh, ISO. Yeah, it's amazing. And the, and the newer cameras are are actually doing even less noise at, at the high. You know, this is now a couple of years old. This is uh, 2000, what was that? 2014, I think. So three years, two and a half, it was November of 2014. So two and a half years old technology. Nowadays, it's, you can probably, it'll probably even have less noise. I mean, uh, uh, honestly, I'm still using the D4 and the D750. So I'm not like, I haven't found them to be, you know, too noisy yet <laughs> i don't know if i'll ever find the day where they're too noisy um for the com for the camera geeks in the audience i started with a nikon d2x trying to shoot concerts and that thing had flying saucers shaped noise at you know like iso 400 and, right you know, giant pieces of things floating through the screen and you're like eh. um you've have you had rick salmon on i i, I did I, do an episode okay. with rick salmon uh who is also a friend of yours yeah um i did a episode with rick with uh one of his uh it's the blue swallow motel on route 66 so um, rick always said a comment about iso that i that i've taken a heart um rick said if people are noticing the noise in your image and your image is boring <laughs> yeah i was i was like he's like it's if they're not if, you know i'm like wow that's that's really true it's, and i use that quote when i do presentations um, because uh rick originally mentioned it to me and i did a blog post for rick on you know, ignore the noise. Just mm. stop worrying about the freaking noise. The most iconic pictures of our day. You go back and look at the Muhammad Ali standing over Sunny oh, yeah. List and whatever. The most iconic pictures of our day are nothing but noise. 
and you don't even notice it. It's there. And, you know, there's always somebody that's going to go, well, that's film noise. It's different than digital noise. You know what? It's noise. And you didn't notice it because the image was that good. So, yeah, yeah, his his saying is 100% right. If you notice the noise, there's probably something else wrong with your image. And and the thing is that the only people who actually ever look at noise are other photographers. So, not really my target audience. And uh, not that I don't love other photographers. I work with them all the time. I teach. I write. my, My target audience is other photographers. But in the reality is that it's people who look at the images. Um... They're not going to notice the noise. They don't even know what noise is. They don't care. That's like they photographers like- are the only people on earth that look at an image at 100%. Yes. Uh, a well, standard we're, we're- viewing distance maybe is equal to about 50% in Lightroom or, or Photoshop. Huh. Um, but everybody zooms into 100% and freaks out. And I'm like, back up, zoom out to 50%, look at it at a realistic viewing distance, realize that you're exporting an image at 900 pixels, you know, or whatever yeah. for the web. You're throwing away, literally. 80% of your pixels to put it on the web, most people are never going to see it. And to put it in the, to, to reverse that, um, at the Valley View Casino Center, I have uh, what I like to call the largest gallery showing um, of my career oh, because yeah. Oh, yeah. we have uh, 16 images that line the walls on the inside of the venue. So it's an old concourse type basketball arena. And when you walk up, the, you know, the, the circle, uh, they're printed uh, 22 feet long by 11 and a half feet tall at 100 DPI uh, on vinyl. And they look fantastic. And some of them are a half frame from a old D3. So it's about seven megapixels of data going up on a wall, 22 feet long. And no one ever walks around the building and goes, wow, that looks noisy or there's blur there. (laughs) They just walk up the picture. They stand in front of it. Their friends take pictures of them in front of it. And, you know, everyone's happy about it and it looks great. And and you can see the hairs on Taylor Swift's arm and you can read the tattoo and you can see the, the glow on Roger Waters' jacket. You know, we... And um, everyone's like, well, you know, what did you do in Photoshop to make those? And I'm like, I open up a file that was the right size. I just dragged the corners out. I put the image in. They printed it. They came and hung it. It looks fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not. So there's a lot of stress that people involve. Oh, I don't want to go to ISO 1600 or 3200 or 6400 or uh, 10,800 or 26. I mean, I've, I've shot in bars at 26,800. Yeah, it needs a little bit more post-production work to get the colors looking right, but picture looks good. You know, 26,000 ISO. Um, well, I'll so tell you, this image, yeah. this, this is just a star. Well, thank you. And it, uh, it, it, was, it was one, and I will say that the minute I saw this one like through the viewfinder, like the sequence, I didn't actually obviously see this moment because the mirror was in my way. But as I saw this one go through, I realized this was going to probably be the best shot of the, of the day. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen people who, I've seen lots of, of you know, rodeo type photos before. Uh-huh. This is one of the best rodeo photos I've ever uh-huh. seen in my life. Brilliant job, Alan. I really, th- I, I can't say thank you enough for having you on. Because like I say, uh-huh. I know you now, but you've been an inspiration right. to me for many, many years. If people want to find you more, what's your website? It's uh, alanhessphotography.com. Okay. And Pretty then simple. you're all over social media. You're shot live photo on Twitter. You're Alan Hess on Instagram. You're Alan Hess photography on Facebook. And of course, you've also got all your books are available on Amazon. So yes. if you want to find more about Alan Hess, 
go to his website, alanhessphotography.com. He's got links to everything there, but also I'll have links in the show post uh, for this show. That does it for this episode of Behind the Shot, where we try and get inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. I'm your host, Steve Brazel. We will talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.